verses 1 through 6. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When see ye the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about three, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. It is good to see everyone, especially face to face. I decided uh, that Sister Jane had had enough vacation from me and she needed someone to come and straighten her out a little bit, so I decided to to come and be back. <laughs> Amen. We're always glad to have the Dixon family with us, and Taylor is joining us from uh, Memphis today uh, by Skype. Uh, they have had to cancel services over there. And so we're thankful that she's here with us, and maybe we'll just add her to the number of people who are here and help bolster our uh, attendance. When God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt and led them uh, toward the Promised Land, it took about two years for them to get there. Uh, And during that time, though, as they were traveling through the wilderness, God uh, gave them the law that they would know how to be obedient to Him, He taught them how to worship Him properly. And when they arrived on the banks of the Jordan River, all they had to do was go in and possess the land because God had already given it to them. But instead of moving forward in faith, they chose to stand there to kind of look at one another, discuss how terrible it was, and then decided they needed to go back where they came from. They needed to go... In their mind, the easy route, because it was way too difficult for them to possess a promise that God had already made to them. So, they went back, and because of their unbelief, it took that nation of Israel another 38 years to be able to stand on the banks of the Jordan River again and prepare to take the land that once again He had already given to them. They were faced with a terrible problem, weren't they? Let's go back and look at those Israelites that stood on that, uh, beside that river 38 years prior to them going in, and they, they were, uh, faced with a great problem. And they were faced with the kind of problems that we're faced with often in our own lives. Now they should have known which way to go, but they didn't know which way to go. They had deluded themselves into thinking that they knew a little bit better. Do we go forward into the land where we have never been, or do we go back and allow ourselves to be enslaved in the same place where we had been enslaved for hundreds of years? Well, obviously, we know the history, and we know they made the wrong choice. But 
In this life is that we live today, we're often faced with scary choices, aren't we? We have an epidemic going around the world right now that we're not really familiar with. We're hesitant to even touch each other. Well, that's a good idea. But we've never faced this before, have we? Not really uh, to where we thought about it so much. Now, we can go back several years ago, and when the swine flu was uh, ravaging the world, 60 million people got that. 300,000 died from it. But we just didn't hear much about it. And so this is more in the forefront uh, of our minds now, but we have scary choices throughout uh, our lives. Do we continue on in faith, or do we turn around and go back to the old lives that we lived? Of course, we're talking about faithfulness and unfaithfulness, aren't we? Do you recall the Lewis Carroll classic fairy tale, Alice in Wonderland? Uh, He wrote that in 1865. Now, I've never been an Alice in Wonderland fan. I never did like the story. I didn't care for the the cartoon or the the movie or anything like that. It just never appealed to me. But I think we can look at something in that uh, fairy tale and maybe we can learn something. <clears throat> we remember Alice falls through a rabbit hole. She gets to wherever she's going and at She thought she was holding a baby, or she was holding a baby, and when she laid that baby down, you know, it was a pig when she laid it down. Things just began to turn every which way but normal. And so she went on through her adventure, and she had some amazing adventures. But the first person, or the first character in which she comes into contact is the well-known Cheshire Cat. And she looks at this Cheshire cat, and he's several yards away from her, and he's sitting upon a bow of a tree, and she's a little uh, surprised by that. And he has this big smile on his face. And so she goes forward a little bit, but she's a little bit afraid of him. But he looked like he was friendly, but then he had an awful lot of teeth, and his claws were very sharp. And so, being timid, she walks up to him, and she says, Mr. Cheshire cat, And she didn't know if he would even like that name, but he grinned even more. And so she thought that that he was okay with that. She said, can you tell me which way to go from here? The Cheshire cat looked at her and said, well, that depends on where you want to go. She says, I don't care where I go. He said, well, then it doesn't matter which way you go. And she added, as long as I get somewhere. He said, well, you'll get there if you walk long enough. You go to the left or you go to the right, you'll end up somewhere as long as you walk long enough. Well, when you don't know where you want to go, you're not going to know how to get there, are you? And just like the Cheshire cat said, if you don't know where you want to go, you don't know how to get there, the left is just as good as the right as long as you walk long enough. Now Israel was at a crossroads when they stood on the banks of the Jordan River. They thought they knew where they were going. After all, they had been walking toward it for two years. But then they got to the point where they needed to make a choice, and they chose the wrong choice. They shrugged their shoulders. They went back into the wilderness. Now, here's the good news. We can learn from their mistakes. It's been provided for us to learn from them, Romans 15, 4. Whatsoever things written aforetime are written for our learning. And so... We need to look at this, and we can be certain 
If we know where we want to go, we can get there. If you don't know where you want to go, you'll get there also. That's just the way it is in life, isn't it? Now, the obvious design of the book of Joshua is to relate the fulfillment of the promise that started with Abraham. It started with Abraham, it was given to Isaac, and then it was given to Jacob. And because of that great promise, we are included in that. And that's why this passage in Joshua is so important to us. Notice Genesis 12, beginning with verse 1. God told Abraham, He said, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You see, we're mentioned in that promise, aren't we? We are part of all the families of the earth. And we need to be able to accept the offer that God has given to us. See, the Israelites weren't able to do that the first time they looked over into the land of Canaan. But, 38 years later, they were. The thing about this life is, Each of us are on a journey that culminates in this other journey about which we know very little. But that's what this life is about. This life is a training ground. It is a proving ground. And then when we get to that journey, where we cross over to the promised place that Jesus has gone to prepare us, John 14, then we will certainly know how to get there if we have followed the instruction. Now, we have to make a choice. Which way do we go? The title of the sermon is, Which Way Do I Go? That seems like a simple question. But sometimes it's not so simple. We need to work through some things that may be not true that we think we know. We may have to work through some things that are very difficult for us to work through. But we can always find out, with God's help, which way do I go? Now, there was a difference between the people that stood on Jordan two years after they left Egypt and the people who stood on Jordan 38 years, or 40 years after they left Egypt. Now it is from those people we want to learn a little something. We want to look at them and we want to be able to have the ability to accept the reward that God has promised to us. And the realization that it just didn't happen. We're not just going to, by happenstance, receive the reward that God gave us. We have to want that reward, and we have to be willing to accept it. Why were those people successful 38 years later? You know, the same, the, the same people that went into the promised land 38 years later were the same people who wanted to go into the promised land 38 years prior. Now, those who didn't want to go in, none of them made it. But those who did want to go in, went in along with that other generation that came up. Why were they successful? In my estimation, they were successful because they prepared to be successful. That's our first point. They prepared to be successful. Why why did they want to prepare themselves? Because it was important. It was important to prepare themselves. What in life do we ever receive that is of any kind of magnitude to us that we do not prepare to receive and that is important. Think about it from the moment you begin to 
going to adulthood, adulthood from childhood, most children want to learn to drive. They want to learn to drive. Can you just jump in an automobile and drive? Well, you're not supposed to. I think maybe that's what I did growing up, but that's not really how it's supposed to happen, is it? You need to prepare for that. You need to be able to study, take the test, and learn how to operate a vehicle. Anything else in life, you go to school to learn something. Can you just go into a, a math class? And Brother Charles can tell us about that. He's probably had some come into his classes uh, uh, unprepared. And they left the same way they came in, not knowing what they were doing. You have to prepare because it is important, right? And it is important enough to be prepared. Do we decide we want to go the right way or the easy way? That's a difficult choice sometimes for a whole lot of people. I think some very specific language tells us that this new generation of Israelites understood how important it was to be prepared. Notice Joshua 2 verse 24. When the spies returned to Joshua, they said this, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do think before us. Do you remember what happened 38 years before that? Twelve spies went in. Ten spies said, we're like grasshoppers. We can't defeat them. It's a land of giants. Now two of them, Caleb and Joshua, who are about to go in at that point, said, we can take it. We're well able to take it. Let's go take it. The same things these two spies said. Let's go take it. And after that statement, it was then that Joshua rose early in the morning. He came to Jordan, it says, and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over Joshua 3.1. How do we know that it was important for them to be prepared? Why was it important? How do we know that that point in life, that circumstance, was important enough for them to be ready? <clears throat> they got up at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. They laid around for a little while. They stretched and they yawned. No, they got up early, didn't they? They got up early. We read about God's people who got up early to do a whole lot of things. Do you remember when Abraham and Isaac went over yonder to worship on the mountain? They got up early. They got up early. We remember when Jacob dreamed about that ladder and he saw the angels ascending and descending, Genesis 38. He got up early the next morning. He made a monument out of a stone and he poured oil on it. You remember when David went to check on his brothers when the Philistines were encamped against Israel? He got up early to go and check on those people. You know, now what's the application here? You know, there was a time years ago when I was always late to services. The girls were little. They would come in late to class. You know what that told God? That it just simply wasn't important enough for me to be prepared. That's not the message we want to give God, is it? That's not what we want to believe, and that's not what we want to live. It's very important to be as respectful, at least, I would think, toward God as it is my secular employment, right? When, we, when it's time to go to work, usually... You're not going to keep a job long if you're always 20 minutes late. That's just not going to happen, is it? We need to be able to understand that it is important. 
But you know, understanding something that is important, it takes more than that, right? We may recognize it is, it is important. It is important to live a healthy lifestyle or you'll die early age. But a whole lot of us sometimes don't live that healthy lifestyle. Maybe we don't eat the way we ought to eat. Maybe we don't drink enough water throughout the day. You know, I just can't stand drinking water. But I do it because I know it's good for me. But you know, we have to show some initiative in addition to understanding that it is important. Initiative, I think maybe we might say that's spiritual fortitude. Joshua had spiritual fortitude. And because he was the leader that he was... His spiritual fortitude influenced those people following Him. And it wasn't just Joshua who got up early getting ready to go into the promised land. Everybody got up because they knew it was important. And they had initiative. Now this time around, we don't read about the people fainting at the idea of the inhabitants. They were going in to take what they knew God had already given to them. They prepared themselves because it was important and they demonstrated initiative and they began to do what God asked them to do. But just like initiative is needed when something is important, it isn't good enough to simply believe that something is important, right? We have to, we have to have a little more than that. It isn't enough to be prepared. We might be prepared. Have you ever heard about these People in the world who think that the world's always coming to an end. I was telling some of the, some of the fellas earlier, I went into the Walmart market over by the house over in Hickson and went to the bread aisle. I just needed a few items. We haven't been hoarding up a whole lot of stuff, but I needed some bread and it was just absolutely empty. But there was a guy there that was putting out some bread and he said, baked today. I said, well, I'll have one. And there's a lady came up to me and she said, this is the end times. It's the end times. Well, what do you say? I said, well, maybe not. I don't know. Hope not. You know, I didn't think that was probably the place to have a discussion with her. And she was pretty adamant that it was the end times. But you know, people will prepare for that. I read in the paper where there was a community somewhere that could uh, sustain 500 people for 25 years, wherever they're at. Man, that's some preparation, right? Now, what about this? What if someone, you know, what if 500 people showed up, and they said, okay, we're all in, and we want to live with you for 25 years and get away from this end times, this pandemic that's happening. And the guy at the door says, we're closed. He's the only one in there. you got 500 people standing outside, or 499, or how many ever it is, and he's not letting anyone in. Now, he's prepared because he believes. But he didn't proceed, did he? Don't you have to proceed? Don't you have to do something? Don't you have to go ahead and put into action the plan that you made? You have to proceed. That's our second point. When one proceeds to carry out God's commandments, you know why he does that? Because he has identified God as God. He's honored God for who He is, And he has determined within himself to be obedient. Joshua and the people identified the source of their strength. Joshua 3, verse 3, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it. They knew what that ark of the covenant meant, didn't they? The very presence of God. Now, did that always mean God was with them? No, not always. 
You remember when the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant? They were, they were uh, ready to go to battle and the Philistines heard a great yell off in the distance and they said, that's Israel. They're bringing that Ark of the Covenant with them. And it kind of unnerved them a little bit until they went into battle and they completely whipped Israel and they took the Ark of the Covenant with them. You see, when people proceed the way God has instructed them, He is with them, right? Israel was going into the promised land. They were watching those priests carry that ark. They were following behind the Levites. And they proceeded to do what God asked them to do. And God, who is a man of His Word, He was with them. Today, God guides us, doesn't He? He guides us through His Word. He directs our actions. There's not a question that we need an answer to that we can't find when it comes to our salvation. Are there some things we may not understand? Absolutely. But I can guarantee you anything we need to understand completely regarding our salvation, we can understand that. Israel was not going into battle because they thought they were serving the real God of heaven. They knew who they served, right? Paul told Timothy that. Notice what he said in 2 Timothy 1.12. For the cause, for the which cause I also suffer these things, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I asked Brother Jeff if he'd lead that song. We just sang those words, didn't we? I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Now, I haven't been able to sing the uh, last several times I've been at services. The doctor, uh, I went to an ENT, he was checking out my throat, and he said, whatever you do, don't sing. So what I have to do is I have to read along. I have to think about the words. Do I mean that? When I read this and I say, I know whom I have believed, do I believe what I'm saying? Or is it just words? See, if it's just words, now we're talking about vain worship, aren't we? Matthew 15, verse 9. When we look at learning which way to go, we have to prepare. We have to proceed. We have to identify God, but that's not enough. It's not enough. It's like... Preparing without proceeding, right? It's not enough just to identify. We have to invest ourselves into God. We have to give ourselves to Him. After having seen the ark and the priest, Joshua commanded this, verse 3, Then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Invest yourself in it. Move ahead. Go forward. That's what God expects. That's what He wants. They moved. They did what they were supposed to do. And they were just like all those people that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. They moved with fear. By faith they did this. By faith they did that. Noah built an ark. It had never rained, uh, in my opinion, on the earth until the flood. But what did Noah do? He said, okay. Do I need to build an ark? I'm going to build an ark. Abraham was told to offer his son Isaac. 
I can't even imagine that. He thought he was going to kill the boy. He said, if I kill him, I have enough faith in God that he'll bring him back from the dead. He was going to take his own life. By faith, he moved to do that. God stayed his hand. We proclaim our belief in God, whether in initial obedience or whether living that way, after we have obeyed the gospel. We have to fight and continue to do what God's asked us to do. We have to invest ourselves. If we're not doing that, our words ring empty, right? Our words ring empty. I've mentioned this in the past. We had a fellow come over to our house and he did some painting for us and, and he found out I was a preacher and, and I was talking to him a little bit and he worked for a fellow. He did a couple different jobs. I think he was roofing and he was painting in the part time till he got his business going. And he said, yeah, uh, his boss was a preacher. But through our conversation, and uh, I learned that their interactions on the job isn't what a preacher or a Christian period ought to be doing. So you have a guy that's proclaiming something, but then he's acting differently, right? Can we hide that from God? We can't hide that from God. We need to understand that we have to invest ourselves. Paul commanded the brethren in uh, Macedonia. He said, you know, you need to give. We remember what was going on. There was a famine in Jerusalem. And Paul said, you know, they gave more than they were able to give. But they first gave their own selves to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. What they do? They invested themselves. It's, it's easy to do something when it's convenient. I was uh, just reading a news article the last couple of days. A fellow that I graduated high school with became sheriff up in our hometown, Fentress County. And he went to prison for a little over two years because he was engaged in all kinds of immoralities uh, while he was the sheriff of the county. He handcuffed a fellow and beat him up pretty good, and uh, so he put him in prison. You know, uh, he wasn't behaving the way he ought to behave. They, inter- they interviewed some people, and they said, you know, he kept the local laws and the state laws and the federal laws when it was convenient and easy for him to do that. But see, he didn't keep them all the time. That wasn't how he lived. I think uh, I read where he where he ran on a... He was sheriff, he'd gotten defeated, and he got uh, uh, re-elected about eight years later. And and I read that uh, he had run on a, on the platform of an uh, 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 officer in every school. Everybody treated fairly under the law. Well, that's what his platform was, but that's not what he did. See, we have to, we have to uh, do the things that God wants us to do. We have to invest ourselves when it's easy and when it's not. To be successful in knowing which way to go, we have to prepare. We have to proceed. But see, that's really just the beginning, isn't it? We have to be like Israel as they crossed over that Jordan River. They continued and they pursued God. And they did that for a while. They had some problems along the way. But we have to prepare, we have to proceed, and we have to pursue. That's our third and final point. Israel pursued the presence of God, and they did it reverently. Right? That's what we have to do. We have to pursue God reverently. Now, they were told to follow at a certain distance. 200 uh, cubits, or rather uh, 2,000 cubits, and that's about three-fifths of a mile. God, in all of His wisdom, He understood that you've got 
an army of people of about three million or, or a little more. You can't be right up on the, the person leading you, right? Who was leading them? God was leading them. His presence with the Ark of the Covenant. They had to be back three-fifths of the mile so they could watch Him and they could see which way to go because what Joshua say? You've never been this way before. You haven't been here before. You don't know which way to go. You know, during this problem with this virus, I've been reading some in the news and you have these, uh, they remind me of televangelists all over the country talking about things you need to do and and I think you remember Jim Baker from years ago. He spent a little time in the pen himself for, for cheating and stealing and lying and being immoral in every aspect of his life. And he was selling, uh, I think it was uh, water, samples of water that is supposed to have been, uh, you know, made holy in some way. And so the government had to shut him down. Told him, don't be selling that stuff, right? People were... Uh, uh, there was a congregation of some denominational church up in Kentucky, and they were defined the don't meet more than 50 people. And they said, well, that's okay, because we have these, they're like some hand wipes or something. We've blessed those, and people are going to come in, and, and they're going to wipe off, and, and so we're going to be okay. Of course, I wrote in the article uh, this morning about a conversation I had with a with a preacher friend of mine, and there was a, a congregation that, Decided they were going to meet, and the preacher said everybody had to sit together, right on the same side. There was an older lady. Older lady said, "No, I didn't like that." And uh, she said, "Well, the preacher said, well, you know, God will take care of us, and if you're going to die, what better place to die? That's insanity. That's stupidity, at its highest order, right? Now we're blaming God for when we do die. He gave us a mind." So we can come together and reason, and we're making stupid decisions. Which way do I go? Well, that's not the right way. Right? That's not the right way. We have to follow God reverently. And at that distance that they crossed over that river, they could follow God and not encroach on His holiness. When we come to the end of our lives, and we're all going to get there as long as we walk far enough at some point, we need to be able to reverently follow God. And He'll lead us. He'll lead us right into that promised place. But we have to do it according to His rules. That means that He has regulated for us how that is going to happen. Joshua told the people, verse 5 of our text, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. They were to make themselves separate. That's what sanctify means, right? Sanctify yourselves. Become a part. Separate yourselves from all the people in the world, all these heathen nations surrounding them as they went in to take that promised land and sanctify yourselves. Now, we sanctify ourselves a little differently, right? Israel would have done those things that we read about in Exodus 19 as they were about to leave Egypt, okay? We do it differently. God has provided for us in the Christian age the way to be able to prepare for this final journey. Faith in Him, repentance of past sins, Confession that Jesus is the Son of God, immersion in water, so our sins can be washed away. And that's what He wants us to do. But see, that's just the beginning, and that fits right in with what we're talking about. So you have to prepare, you have to uh, proceed, and you have to pursue. And that's a continual thing, right? That's what Paul did. Paul did all of those things. 
He said, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. Now I know there's uh, laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not just to me only, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 6, but to all those who love His appearing. And that's what God expects us to do. Peter, you know how he described us? He said, we're a royal priesthood. We're a peculiar nation. We're a separate people. You see, when we separate ourselves, we sanctify ourselves, we have to lead the world, don't we? That's how the gospel is spread. So just like those priests under the time of of Israel, when they were crossing into that promised land, the priests led the way. See, the priests lead the way today. We shine the light. We are the example. We, we live a life like we're supposed to live and we encourage those through our example and through our teaching that they ought to live that same way. If the priests don't show the way, then the people can't come out of the darkness. Which way do I go? Well, I have to first know where I want to go, right? If you've ever gone whitewater rafting, you'll understand this illustration. I've been a couple times. I went one time in a single raft, and I went one time in a raft of eight. Do you know what you have to do to to, uh, navigate that river? Paddle a certain direction. Now, do you have to paddle to go down the river? No. You just sit there if you want to, but then you don't know where you're going. You don't know how to get there, and you probably are going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. But if you paddle, and you do it intentionally, and you do it the way that you're supposed to do it, you'll get where you want to go. And if you've ever whitewater rafted, there's some pretty rough rapids. It's not easy, right? It's not easy, but we can do it. The same thing is with life. If I don't care, it doesn't matter. But if it doesn't matter, it I can go any way I want to, right? That's not what God wants. Let's learn from Joshua these faithful Israelites, which way do I go? Well, we go God's way. If you've never obeyed the gospel, do that. I look out, I think everyone here is a Christian. But if you've become unfaithful in any way, if you haven't been paying attention, if you're not prepared, if you're not proceeding, if you're not pursuing, come back to God today through prayer, repentance, confession of sin, and He'll welcome you back. Do that as we stand and as we sing.